Hey friends, welcome to Moments to Ponder. This is a podcast designed to help you spend a few moments in God's Word and take away something to ponder. I'm Betsy Marvin, and I'm grateful for the few moments we have together to ponder the book of Esther. This is episode 72. As we pick up our story in Esther, we find the Jews in the city of Susa dealing with the decree of the king. Chapter 4 begins like this. When Mordecai learned about all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on burlap and ashes, and went out into the city, crying with a loud and bitter wail. He went as far as the gate of the palace, for no one was allowed to enter the palace gate while wearing clothes of mourning. And as the news of the king's decree reached all the provinces, there was great mourning among the Jews. They fasted, wept, and wailed, and many people lay in burlap and ashes. Now, burlap or sackcloth, as some translations say, and the ashes, they were all a way to show mourning, repentance, or abasement. Coarse material and the dark ashes and the dust would be an outward sign of the turmoil inside. If you saw someone in this state, you would immediately understand that they were in deep grief. All over the city, people were weeping and wailing. It would have been heartbreaking to hear that and to see so many people grieving and wailing and crying together. The people were also fasting which implies that they were praying for the rescue they needed from God. The verses mention that Mordecai wasn't allowed to enter the palace area in his mourning clothes. This lets us know that the king didn't like stuff like this to enter his palace. He kept his little bubble. I wonder if he even realized the chaos that had come from his decree. The story continues. When Queen Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her about Mordecai, she was deeply distressed. She sent clothing to him to replace the burlap, but he refused it. Then Esther sent to talk one of her, the king's eunuchs who had been appointed as her attendant. She ordered him to go to Mordecai and find out what was troubling him and why he was in mourning. So Hathak went out to Mordecai in the square in front of the palace gate. Now, remember, Esther lives in the palace, and like her husband, she has no idea what's going on in the city. So when she hears of Mordecai, she sends him close because she has no idea why he is in mourning. So we continue in verse 7. Mordecai told him the whole story, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay into the royal treasury for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai gave Hathak a copy of the decree issued in Susa that called for the death of all Jews. He asked Hathak to show it to Esther and to explain the situation to her. He also asked Hathak to direct her to go to the king to beg for mercy and plead for her people. So Hathak returned to Esther with Mordecai's message. Then Esther told Hathak to go back and relayed this message to Mordecai. All the king's officials and even the people in the provinces know that anyone who appears before the king in his inner court without being invited 
is doomed to die unless the king holds out his gold scepter. And the king has not called me to come to him for 30 days. So Hathak gave Esther's message to Mordecai. This section of verses lets us in on a couple of things about Esther's life. Her life in the palace didn't mean she saw the king every day. She had to be summoned like anyone else into the king's presence, or she could be sentenced to death. It was one of their laws. Can you imagine not being able to go into your spouse's presence without being summoned? I can't imagine. And it's noted here that it has been a month since she has seen him. So I get the impression she's not so sure he'll extend the scepter. Is she wondering if his feelings are fading? Does she wonder about the power she actually holds in her country? I don't know. But Mordecai sends a reply, which we see in verse 13. Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this? Mordecai is pleading for the lives of Esther, his family, for all his people. He says it straight. He knows that God will save his people. He always has. But it might not include them. He reminds her that God's plan is bigger than our roles in it. But what if you are queen for this moment, put in place for such a time as this? I love that line. For such a time as this, it's a truth that still applies today. What if God has created an opportunity that he has put in place just for me and I don't step into it? The obvious answer is I'd miss the opportunity. It might not cost me my life, but it could have a costly consequence. And the same can go for you. Has God asked you to do something hard? Has he put you in a place to do something only you can do? Will you let it pass you by? We continue in verse 15. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. If I must die, I must die. So Mordecai went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. Esther, chapter 4. Although the passage doesn't mention prayer specifically, I'm sure that Esther was praying as she fasted. The entire city was fasting and praying for her. We can see from her words that the decision had been made to go into the king. The fasting was her preparation. She was placing herself in God's hands, praying for courage and strength to accept whatever God's plan was for her in that moment. Have you ever fasted over a decision or need in your life? Today, intermittent fasting is a diet plan. 
But spiritual fasting is the practice of going without food for a period of time, and during that time, focusing your attention in prayer. It is a tangible way to live out the verse in Luke 9.23 that says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Fasting is a spiritual act that uses the physical part of denying ourselves food as a discipline. It's all about saying, God, I'm focused on you, not food. Each time the pang of hunger strikes, it's a reminder to pray, to lean on God, and seek his counsel. The restraint involved in not eating, but going to God in prayer, brings a discipline that leaks into other areas of our lives as we rely on him more fully for strength. I think for me, the fasting is a way of saying, I am serious about this need, and I'm willing to sacrifice food in order to deny myself and follow Christ as I bring my requests before him. I've fasted many times for many different reasons, decisions, needs in my life, and I found that the practice brings a clarity and it heightens my awareness in prayer as I bring my requests to God. My prayers have been answered with both yeses and noes, but each time I knew my heart was aligned to accept his will, whatever it was. There are many ways to practice our faith. Fasting is just one of them. These practices are often called spiritual disciplines, and I've also heard them referred to as soul training, which I really like, because training is a learning process, a way to grow and develop, and, and there are ways that we can train and develop our souls as we lean into God and build our relationship with Him. In our next episode, we'll dive into the soul training of prayer as we continue Esther's story. So today, as we ponder this scripture, is there something in your life that you need to fast and pray over? Is there a such a time as this moment before you that requires a step? I encourage you to fast and pray. Seek His direction for your life. And you may not be facing a hard decision or a life-changing opportunity today. Yet each day you are faced with decisions, options. May you seek to train your soul to daily look for ways to honor God with those decisions and choices. May you discover his strength and pathway as you lean into his plans for you. In Jeremiah it says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to give you hope and a future. May you know that God sees you, He knows you, and He loves you. Amen.